재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Examining Korean cultures past and present through compelling conversations and documentary storytelling This is Koreascape on TBS EFM Welcome back. In this week's Planet Korea, we're reminiscing a bit to when the World Olympic Spotlight was right here on the Korean capital. Depending on your age, it might seem like ancient history, or it may seem like just yesterday. There's a good place to conjure up those Olympic memories over at Olympic Park and Stadium in Chamsil. On that site, there's also a memorial museum where I stopped in to have a look. Hello, my name is Sukiyo. I'm a curator in Seoul Olympic Museums. And the Seoul Olympic Museum is open on September 19, 9, 1990 by Korean Sports Promotion Foundation to remember the glory and success of 1988 Seoul Olympic Games and pass down the Olympic spirit to our future generations. Very well said. You sound like you have some practice saying that. <laughs> I practice. Is there more interest in the Seoul Olympic Museum when the Olympics are happening? Like now with the Olympics in Rio, are more people coming to visit? Actually, many people saw uh, these days in summer vacations. Many children visit us to uh, want to the, know about the more Olympic Games. Do you remember the 1988 Olympics? Yes, I was a middle school student, so I was wearing Korean traditional the dress and just I just street on uh, stand up the street and just I shake my hands for the athletes. You waved at the athletes in a hanbok on the streets. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. That must have been fun. Yeah, but that, they were so tired at the time. But uh, actually, right now I was there, but uh, that time uh, is so tired. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a middle school student. What was the mascot again? It was that tiger with the Korean hanbok on, right? Yes, it's hodori. And there was like a, ma- a man hodori and a woman hodori? or Hosuni. That- Hosuni. Do, do you know the Korean maps looks like uh, similar like a Korean tigers? So we people thinking that the tiger is the, tri- the symbol of animal for Korean. Because the Korean peninsula itself looks like a tiger stretching out yeah, into the right, ocean. Yeah, right. Yes. What do most people remember about the Olympics? I, I think that Seoul AA Olympics changed our grid because that they didn't, many people who are from the world, they didn't know about the, where is Korean? They think it's all Japanese or Chinese, but they didn't know about Korean. But after the Olympic Games, they know, and they, they just don't know about, oh, they are Korean. So I think that the important thing is the, we are changing our image to the world. It upgraded the Korean image. Yes. So people didn't just think about the war. They didn't uh, confuse you anymore with yes. China or uh, Japan. And suddenly they knew exactly what uh, Korea was. Yes. Did you watch that uh, television show, uh, Ungdapara? Ungdapara? Yes. That's set in 1988, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> There's one scene in there where uh, the daughter is um, 
presenting in the Olympic Games, and she's walking in in the opening ceremonies. So the family runs home, and they're drinking in the afternoon to watch. the. They're so excited. And she says when she walks in, there's nothing going on out there. There's nobody on the street in Seoul. Everybody is watching the games. Is that what it was like? Is Seoul just completely shut down back then and everybody's focused on the game? Because it is the first international game host in, the, in Seoul. And then actually, uh, it's the, I, I think the world, uh, the un, uh, whole country, the people just concentrate on the Seoul Olympic, Seoul Olympic Games. So they just want to see what's happening there. So of Korea, uh, in Seoul, they just attend the games, but uh, everybody just watching television. What's going on here? So, what's your favorite um, artifact? Your favorite souvenir, Suki? That one. <laughs> you like the field hockey thing? Yes, because uh, she's working in here, and, and we just program for the children about the hockey play game, how to play the hockey. So it's uh, they just uh, see the real player in here. She is a gold silver medalist. So the silver medalist hockey player works here at the museum. Yeah, and she have a class to for the children in summer vacation right now. Suki, so are you watching the Olympic Games in Rio? Yes. I just, uh, in the morning, I just see the games... Football games, we just uh, Korea and Mexico, we just won the games. <laughs> Somebody in your job must be very enthusiastic about the Olympics. Yes, we just uh, actually our company people really love the sports, and then uh, so actually especially Olympic games make the people just uh, cheer uh, cheer up the, our country. So it's very interesting. little inspirational music there from Shin Hye Chol. Back in 1988, that song, uh, Kudege uh, to You, won a national university song competition. Same year the Olympics were held. So they kind of went hand in hand. I learned from Real Life Korean this week. The song was featured on that very famous show, Reply 1988. Anyway, what was happening outside the Olympic venues back in 1988 was almost as interesting as what was going on inside. This was a country in transition, and the Games gave the world a chance to watch Korea emerge as a modern nation. My friend, veteran journalist Don Kirk, was here all those years ago writing news copy for the American newspaper USA Today. I sat down with him for a cup of coffee. The Olympics was sort of a coming-of-age event for Korea. Korea had just gone through a democracy movement in uh, 1987, the year before the Olympics. There were tremendous demonstrations in central Seoul. You know, these huge demonstrations, a million people out on the streets, and forcing uh, Chun Doo-hwan to agree to a democracy constitution. Now, they didn't force him out. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't sent packing. Uh, he wasn't uh, overthrown, as it were. But he had to agree to a democracy constitution and to elections. So Korea had its first uh, presidential election under this democracy constitution in December of 1987. The president was 
No Tae-woo, also a general, a Korea Military Academy classmate of Chun Doo-wan. It wasn't as if uh, suddenly a very different sort of person was president. But nonetheless, Chun Doo-wan was out and, and democracy was in, if uh, in a rather uh, carefully limited way. But nonetheless, Korea had made this very uh, dramatic transition to democracy. So the uh, Seoul Olympics 1988 uh, marked a coming of age not not just in the sense of Korea becoming a huge industrial power, but also in the sense that Korea was now a democracy. Now, they hadn't planned the Seoul Olympics knowing that Korea would make this transition to democracy. That was, I may say, from my point of view, that was a bonus. From another political point of view, during the Olympics, there was kind of a, a truce, you might say, between the ruling uh, group, uh, No Tae-woo, President No Tae-woo, and his main opponents, uh, Kim Yong-sam and Kim Dae-jung. They had both uh, issued statements at the time of the election, failing to, said they did not recognize the results. They repudiated the results of the election. They said it was all corrupt and uh, it wasn't fair, etc., and No Tae-woo should not be president. And, they, and protests continued, quite strong protests continued right up to the Olympics. What do you remember? Anything spring to mind? What, any kind of colorful moments that you remember? Just before the Olympics, there were tremendous demonstrations at major universities, including Korea University and Yonsei. I remember going to Korea University. I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it now. Stacked up outside the student union building were Molotov cocktails, lots of them, piled up outside the student union building. I, for the life of me, couldn't see why the police just didn't go in and take them, remove them. But they didn't. Uh, for fear of much larger protests and much larger demonstrations. So that was, that was quite interesting, and that was symptomatic of what was going on in that era of protest. At Yonsei, there were tremendous demonstrations on the main uh, avenue outside the campus of Yonsei. Tear gas hung in the air. People were, as I recall, at one point, people were throwing rocks, you know. Uh, protesters were throwing rocks at the police. And if you can believe it, I think some of the police were throwing them back. The, the, the uh, atmosphere was by no means totally stable. There were also, if I may say, some incidents during the Olympics, which I remember vividly. Uh, one was a fight. I happened to, Usually I wasn't watching events. Usually I was covering outside stuff or on the phone getting stuff, you know, incident-type stuff and uh, sidebar-type stuff. But I did take some time off to watch the championship bout between the American Roy Jones and the Korean, whose name I forget. Jones playing. He's doing a shuffle, an alley shuffle. He's coming after him. And there was no doubt in my mind and in the spectators' mind after it was all over that Roy, that Roy Jones had won. No doubt in what sense. He, uh, it was a, he was just a stronger fighter. He got more hits in. It was a stronger fighter, more hits, dominated the match. Pak Shihong was the name of the opponent. Oh. I've got it right here on the, on the smartphone screen. And Roy Jones... Severely outclassed his opponent, Park Si-hun of Korea, as we await the decision. And everybody's expecting his, you know, right arm to be raised by the referee. And if you could believe it, the Korean's arm was raised by the referee. The Korean fighter, Park, Park Si-hun, uh, couldn't believe that he won either. He didn't go around saying, oh, I dominated the match, I deserved to win. He didn't say that at all. He, he's, I think what he really said later was that, well, of course, Roy Jones was a great fighter, and uh, he put up a good fight. He was... <laughs> He didn't claim that he dominated Roy Jones. Well, there it is. Mark Sihon has stolen the belt. Roy Jones stunned, and that is very difficult to figure.
boxing's not a terribly uh, clean sport in Korea. I-, I saw that fight. That's why it sticks in my mind so well. Roy Jones, by the way, went on to a career as one of the great figures in boxing history. I mean, he wasn't just an itinerant boxer who got into one Olympic match. This guy won championships. Uh, he was one of the. He was one of boxing's greats. We all remember the Ben Johnson case, uh, where, he, where he was found to have drugs in his system. He, he ran, what, 100 meters in how many seconds? But whatever it was, and, and he was found to, you know, to, be, to be on drugs. That was a, one of the great incidents in Olympic history. Very, very sad, very unfortunate. That's one of the two things I remember about the uh, 88 Olympics. I remember Ben Johnson winning by an incredible margin and then getting stripped because of uh, doping. And I remember that incident from the opening ceremonies where um, this was, by the way, 1988 was the last time they ever released live doves in a, in a stadium. They released hundreds of live doves and a whole bunch of them flew up to the Olympic cauldron, which was as yet unlit, and just perched, had a rest. And then they lifted up a few athletes with their torch to light the cauldron, which they did, and foomp. But a couple of dozen doves were instantly flambéed, and you know, animal rights activists around the world really spoke up about that. You know, this is very interesting, and I have to tell you, I was so fixated on little episodes going on on outside star, uh, sidebar type stuff that I am frankly not familiar with that incident. I did not write about it. I did not re- hear about it. I didn't pay attention to it, and um, it's just one of those things. I missed it. I didn't, you know, I, there were two, USA Today had 20 people there. I'm sure that somebody, maybe even 25 or 30, I'm sure that somebody got it. But I didn't get it. I was not at the opening ceremony. I was in the, either out looking for demonstrators and things, or else in the uh, USA Today press room in the Intercon Hotel. Sone Son Chapko, a little taste of that song, Hand in Hand, by Koreana. That was the theme song of the 1988 Olympic opening ceremonies. And that's going to do it for this special Saturday edition of Koreascape. Our show is produced by E.Q. Wong, with associate production by Jamie Lee, and writing by Nikki Kim. I'm Kurt Asian. I'm headed back to the United States to see family for two weeks, but you are in for a treat. Gu Seung of the website Korea Expose is here. He's very smart and interesting, and he's going to be in my place for these two weeks. I'll see you soon.